Welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This week I'm going to be sharing with you the message that Karen Hagen gave at the She Rises Women's Conference back in May. If you were there, you you know that this message was really powerful. You won't be able to hear the altar call, obviously, at the time around the altar was so powerful. Uh, We just really tarried in the presence of the Lord around the altar. And so you won't get to hear that in this week's message. But if you were there, you know that how powerful that time was. But if you weren't there, I really believe that, you know, this message is, is anointed. And I believe that God can still use this message even through the airwaves to minister to your heart and that the same power that was displayed, God's power that was displayed at the women's conference can still be displayed in your car, in your home, wherever you might be, because God's word is powerful. It has a creative and dynamic force and it always accomplishes that for which it was sent forth to do in hearts and in lives. And this message is anointed and God's power is is just really evident through this message. So without further ado, here is my friend Karen Hagen. Well, good morning. I can't see you, but I know you're there. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Susan, for the opportunity. I'm just so honored to be able to minister amongst such great women like Susan and Monica and um, this great worship team. Um, I'm just, I really feel blessed this morning to be with you. So I have 10 grandchildren now and one on the way. If you want to, oh, uh, I, I brought a picture because I knew you'd want to see them because they're so adorable. They're just um, the love of my life, the light of my life. They are, um, I am, you know, motherhood is great, but I'm telling you what, it's nothing compared to grandmahood. So as you see, we have four uh, girls, let's see, one, two, three, four, yeah, and six boys, and we have another one on the way, so I'll have 11 by July, and it's another little girl. Now, my four girls, compared to my six boys, are like having eight girls. That's how much personality they have. My four girls, well, they're all leaders, so we're like, basically, that's 10 grandchildren all trying to lead one another. Nobody wants to follow. Everybody wants to lead. And so it's just a a great, um, so much fun, so much fun. We're having such a great time. But um, today I want to talk to you about uh, get up and take your place. How many know this is not just a weekend that we're just going to come out with some great thoughts. We didn't come here to just be blessed We came here to get our marching orders because we're warring women. We're not wimpy women, right? And so, um, like she said, I've been married 
this year is our 40th anniversary. And yes, that should be applauded th these days. 40 years, and me and my husband are both turning 60. So this is a big summer for us. We are graduating into something. I'm not sure what it is, but how many know with God, it's always fun. It's always fun. And so I have a, a million different stories uh, for grandchildren's stories, you know, but I won't bore you, but I do have one because it fits with what we're talking about today. So my one story that I'm going to tell is about this little precious girl. This little girl, is, her name is Tessa. Now, Tessa, my, my, my uh, family is very diverse. So my daughter married a Brazilian or a Portuguese man. He's actually from Brazil. Took my daughter away to Brazil for eight years. I've had to really ask forgiveness for <laughs> taking away my daughter. But they came back to America when they started having babies. So I decided that was probably the best, best case scenario. So, But anyway, so she's um, part... Portuguese, and she's part English, right? So Portuguese people are very passionate. I don't know if you have any Brazilian people in your life, but they're very passionate. Tessa is passionate plus my daughter, who is white but completely passionate and very, very much in control. She's still, even at the age of 36, she is in charge of her three younger brothers. So I have three boys and a girl. And... um. One morning, Tessa walks out of the bedroom unannounced, hadn't had any conversation with Jocelyn at that point. She walks out, and she's got this stance, like she's coming out with a, a she has a story to tell. She has a um, declaration to be made. And so she walks out, and she's got this shoulder thing that she does. She's like this. She walks out. And she goes, I am not wearing pants. Princesses don't wear pants. I'm going to wear a dress. And she walks back in with her. And Jocelyn's like, okay. <laughs> that, is, that is Tessa right there. She is going to declare what she wants to do. She's a princess, and she is not going to wear pants. She is going to wear a dress. But she came out ready to fight that morning. She came out ready to fight. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about when I say get up and take your place. Because we're going to be in talking about Esther this morning. So thank you, Susan, for really setting that up this morning. How many know God's doing something in this, in this weekend, and he's got a purpose? And everything that you're going to hear this weekend is setting up for the next thing. Everything is working together. And I love that's how God does that. Um, so we're going to be in Esther chapter 4 if you want to turn on your phones or uh, turn in your Bibles. And um, so recently, I, you know, I live in Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis, which is a beautiful city, but has been challenging the last couple years. Can I get an amen? And so up to this point, you know, I'm a, been, been a believer since I was, I got saved when I was six years old in Sunday school, Mrs. Logan's class. I still remember the bun she had in her hair. I still remember her blue dress. And I was able to, uh, you know, I got saved and I got a candy bar for it. I remember the whole thing, you know, like if you get saved today, you will get a candy bar. That's what they used to do. And um, so 
So I have been a Christian all of my life. My parents were uh, lay people in the church, but I've always been in the church. And um, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And so, um, you know, with all that. And, um, and so this uh, recently, though, because of the world that we live in, and I'm a very strong woman, and I'm the kind of person that likes to, you know, if there's a bad guy in the house, I'm like, get the, get the iron, um, get the bat, I'm going after him. I don't run and hide about, with things. You know, I'm not, I'm not a hider, I'm a fighter. And so, uh, so I decided, you know what, up to this point, I thought anytime I get attacked, because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And so I think about these things. Anytime, if I'm going to get attacked, because I live downtown, um, and I'm walking or something, I'm going to get attacked. I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray them down. I'm just going to speak in tongues really loud. I'm going to pray them down, scare them. You know, they're going to get saved. It's going to be awesome. But just the last two years, I just kind of stepped back and started thinking that maybe I should take a self-defense class. Maybe that would help, you know, just in case something doesn't go right, you know, I can, you know, punch them in the nose. And so, because I've always wanted, anybody always wanted to punch somebody in the nose. I, I've never had the opportunity, but I've always wanted to be able to punch somebody. In. So I saw an advertisement about this self-defense class. So I'm like, I'm just, it's like four classes, 69 bucks. I can do this. This is going to be great. So never done anything like this in my life. Okay, and you're, talk, you're looking at a person who, I'm an introvert, I like safety, I like to be in my home, I don't like new things, can I get a witness, is anybody in the room like that? So I'm doing this all by myself, I'm like, I'm just going, my, my mom always used to tell me, Karen, you like to jump in the water and then figure out how to swim, and that's exactly what I was doing here. And so I walk into this self-defense class, and <laughs> it's a Taekwondo place, right? So I'm, I, I walk in and there's, you know, 12, 14-year-olds in this class right now, 12, 14-year-olds in there, and they all have the full Taekwondo garb. They have the name champion on the back of their, their garb, and they all have black belts on. And then there's me, the 60-year-old woman in stretchy pants, okay? And I walk in, I was like, okay, where's the, where's the self-defense class? The number one, the first-timer self-defense class. He goes, this is it. And I'm like, so I'm gonna, it's going to be me and the 14-year-olds or the 12-year-olds, you know? And so I'm like, okay, I talk about not feeling being in your comfort zone in any stretch of the imagination. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just want to learn how to punch somebody. And so, so, I mean, we just jump right into it. It was like entering into a conversation three days into it, right? Like you're just, you just have to jump in and figure out what you're doing. So I mean, we, we start out with kicks, you know, that's why I wore my flat shoes because we're going to do self-defense today. And so, and we're learning how to punch, you know, and kick and, and then like, this is 10 minutes. So 10 minutes of that, that was my, that was my training. Then we go, okay, now we're going to do one-on-one uh, -on -one combat. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Y'all are champion black belt, full garb, 12-year-olds. I'm 60 years old in stretchy pants. You want me to combat somebody? You want me to? And so literally within 10 minutes of this self-defense class starting, I am in mortal combat with somebody with a, with a wand. I have a wand. It was styrofoam, but it was a wand nevertheless. And so we, you know, we go into it and we're, you know, we're hitting it and I'm trying to, I'm just trying to stay safe, you know, and not get bruised. And he's hitting me like I'm 
like I'm his coach, like I'm the teacher. He is going after me, like, you know, talk about just completely being out of my comfort zone. And I thought, this is what it feels like after I got back in the car, which by the way, I've not gone back to the second class, but I feel like I know how to punch somebody now, you know. But I said, this is what it feels like to be in a spiritual battle and not be prepared and not know how to punch. This is what it feels like for, I believe, so many believers. Because we know that we're in a spiritual battle. We know we can see what's going on in this world. But we don't really know how to access and to use the tools and the weapons that God has given to us. Amen? And so right now, I feel like there is an urgency. Like, we've been talking about this for a long time. We need to know who we are in Christ. We need to understand our, our identity. We need to utilize what God has given us. Well, what are you talking about? What does that mean? And how do I use it? There's an urgency because we have to be ready. We have to be ready in this moment for whatever is going to come our way. Because ready or not, it's coming. Ready or not. I don't care if you live in the suburban or the inner city or urban. I don't care where you live. There, it, It's coming. It's coming. We don't know what it looks like but we are in it. It's really a prophetic moment that we are in in this world. And that is not being said to scare you. It's exciting. It's an opportunity for us to step up and be who God has called us to be. Because I'm telling you, ladies, it's in you. It's in you. You just need to know how to access it. So we're in a prophetic moment in our world. We see prophecy being fulfilled at every turn. It's crazy, exciting, um, I'm, I'm so excited about what God is doing. I'm anticipatory about being a part of this last day's revival. And it really is an Esther moment. We are in an Esther moment. And um, you know what? I just realized I don't have my phone and I need my phone. It's in the side pocket, I think. That's why I got to read my Bible on my phone when I preach because I can't read it, on the, you know, because I'm 60. I can't read that anymore. Can you not find that? I just realized I don't have it. I thought my my pack was okay. Where is it? Here it is. Okay. Now we can move on. Okay. So we're in a, an Esther moment, and like Susan said last night, it is for such a time as this. That is that. This is that time. We're here. We're we're in this place because we've been launched kind of like a torpedo. I don't know if any of you were ready for the last two years. I don't know if anybody had been prepared for the craziness that has gone on, but we have been launched into an unfamiliar place. Literally nobody that we know in this life has ever been in a situation like what we're all in today, right? Um, and it's coming at us from every different way. Many of us, I believe, have, have lost our way. I mean, anybody in here like we're on a roll, you had some momentum, maybe you were starting a business, you were getting on this, and all of a sudden, bam, and it's like everything just stopped. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what in the heck? Now what? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing here? Why, why? Everything just got dropped, and I really feel and believe that it's taken its toll on the body of Christ. Anybody feel like you've just kind of had the, your, your feet just swept away under, your, under you, you know? 
And so it's taken its toll because we're in this um, uncharted territory that has no directions. There's no like pamphlet that we can look at that will tell us what to do next. Um, and it's, but you know what? It's time to regain our footing, ladies. I mean, it's been two years of crazy. We're just going to have to learn how to live in crazy. Can I get an amen? We're just going to have to learn how to live in the crazy. And so can I just declare something that we have wallowed long enough? All right? It's not going back. We're not going to be like it was before. It's never going to change. We are in this prophetic moment that has not taken God off guard. He knows exactly what's going on, and he's He's enlisted his army of women to be a part of this battle. And how many know it's a great to be in a battle where you already know the outcome? Okay, so we don't have to worry. We need to trust. And so I'm going to read to you Esther, a part of Esther that we're going to kind of focus on today. And it's in Esther chapter 4. And if you know anything about the story of Esther, she was an orphan. Her parents died, and so she was being raised by her uncle, Mordecai. And she gets placed into a king's harem, and she becomes queen. So that's kind of the gist of the beginning. of. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but let me read this first. And so starting in verse 8, Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of a decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak, um, to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked uh, Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All of the king's officials and even the people in the province know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. And we all know this part so well. Mordecai sent his reply to Esther, don't you think? That for a moment, that because that you are in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time, at a time like this, deliverance will and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows that if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. So Esther is a Jewish girl. And she has been put into the king's palace. Nobody knows that she's a Jewish girl, okay? And so, like I said, if you know anything about this story, Esther, I believe, understood what it was like to be taken out of a familiar place and put into an unfamiliar place to fulfill her purpose. I think Esther had an idea, had an understanding because of what happened in her life. And really, Esther, this whole story, if you step back and look at the bigger picture, it's about prophetic placement. It's about being ready and courageous to take your position, to take the position that God has implanted into your heart and life. Now, scholars believe that Esther was 15 years old at this moment. 
15 years old. Can you imagine the, the, the um, future of the people of Israel placed in the hands of a 15-year-old? Does anybody have a 15-year-old? Does anybody, has any of you kids that have been 15, how many know when you're 15, you don't know nothing, right? Most 15-year-olds don't even know what to wear on any given day, let alone change the course of history. When I was 15, I was highly insecure. I couldn't even hardly talk to people. I was so shy and such an introvert. I didn't, I couldn't have made a, a decision like that for anything. So at 15 years old, she was put into the palace, into a harem, and to be prepared to go before the king. Someone was supposed to be chosen to be the, the queen because, if you know the story, Vashti, the former queen, didn't obey the king, and so she got banished, so she was out of the picture. And Esther's chosen. Now here's my question. She's 15 years old. Did she want to be queen? Did anybody ask her if she wanted to be queen? Did she want to change the course of history for God's people? I don't think so. I don't think that was even in her head. She's 15 years old. She's hanging out with her girlfriend. She's, you know, learning how to use makeup. She's, I mean, she's 15 years old. Did she want to be put into that position? But let me tell you this. Esther was carrying something inside of her that she didn't know that she had. She was carrying a promise of God. She was carrying a purpose of the Most High God. She didn't know that she was carrying it, but she was carrying it. And that's a word for somebody here today. That we are carrying the purposes of God in our belly. We may not know what it looks like. We may not know what it is. It may not look like this, like Susan said last night. But you have a purpose inside of you. God did not just put you on this earth to live a life and then die. Our salvation is not just about heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth. So we have a job to do. There is a purpose. We are carrying, we are impregnated with the purposes of God. Esther was carrying an anointing that she didn't know she had. That happened before she was chosen by the king. At her birth, she was impregnated with something that God had chosen specifically for her. And so Esther, as she's queen, she receives this report from Mordecai, her uncle, that Haman has deceived the king into declaring that all the Jews would be killed or destroyed. And it's interesting that Esther answers back with a very natural answer. Hey, don't you know the rules? I could die. This is dangerous. People just don't do this. People have told me if you go before the king and you're not summoned, you're going to die. She answered with this very natural answer. But how many know we cannot answer supernatural questions with natural answers? Anybody try to figure out in your own strength what to do next in this crazy time? Anybody tried to figure out your own plan? How many know that doesn't really work? We can't make sense of all of the crazy that's going on right now. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. 
So her uncle, Mordecai, urges Esther to go before the king to expose this plot. But if, in order for her to do that, okay, Esther is going to have to expose herself because nobody knew Esther was a Jew. She was one of the people that would have been extinguished. And so she would have to expose herself. She would have to step up and reveal her identity in that moment. And my question to you is, how quick are you to reveal your true identity in the battle? How much are you standing on your true identity when you are walking into the battle? So our problem is, is that we focused over the last two years on our, our inward self too much. How can I stay safe in this moment? Instead of rising up, the church has ran. We've turned and ran. So many of us have turned and run. I believe that we, I'm in a group of people who desire to stand. We don't want to turn and run. Maybe we did a minute, but we're ready to run. We're ready to fight now. We don't want to turn and run for cover. But those who have turned and ran are now suffering with fear. So much fear in our nation. Depression is overtaking us. We've lost our identity as believers in Christ, if you look at the bigger picture. People aren't rising up. Our strength has wavered. Um, our courage has been extinguished. And the thought of even rising up, it's like a foreign language to so many. We can't even figure it out. And probably we want to stand. We want to rise up. But we want to do it our own way. We, we just, we just want to get the vision first. We want to understand the battle plan. God, if you can just give me that step-by-step -step plan so that I know what's going to happen at the end, maybe, maybe if you can assure me that I will be safe, then I will step out. You know, how many know God doesn't really work that way? you got to know that God works differently that way. He expects and requires and commands us to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's going to direct you. He's going to lead you. And so we have to ready ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves. So when God says, go, I obey. Right, Barb? Yeah. When God says, go, I obey. It's time for us ladies, us warring women, to rise up and become Esther's. This is an Esther generation, an Esther moment. But to really understand our spiritual position, to rise up and to take that spirit, spiritual position, we have to notice some things here. What did Esther do? First, we have to recognize that we are in a battle. It's not something that you can step aside and let someone else do. It's not something that you can say, you know what, I'll come out of my house when the battle is over. This is a battle that we are called to. We are in the last days. We are in the last of the last days because we've all been talking about the last days for a very long time. But we're not going back into anything that we've ever experienced before. And the only option that we have, ladies, as warring women, as disciples of Christ, is to engage in the battle. Engage in the battle. So what did Esther do? Number one, Esther was prepared. I like to call it battle ready. She was battle ready. Esther, she had to go through a purification process. She had to go through a, a preparation, if you will, to be battle ready. You know, my mom, 
passed away about 10 years ago. But she had Alzheimer's, so we really lost her about 18 years ago because it's such a process of losing. You, you really lose all the way through. But the one thing I remember about my mom was that she never left the house without her lipstick and earrings on. I mean, my sister and I both talked about it at, at her funeral. She never, left, it, she never left the house without her lipstick and earrings on. So you notice I have my earrings on. I have my lipstick on. My sister's the same way. We have followed in her footsteps. And it's just this idea that she was always prepared. She was ready for anything. She would clean the house with her lipstick and earrings on. You know, she goes a little farther than me and my sister ever did. But the idea is that she was always prepared. So Esther went through this purification process, this preparation. And that was six months of myrrh and six months of perfumes and cosmetics. Can I say, someone say spa day? I mean, like, does that sound great? But you know what? Detox isn't pretty. Anybody ever gone through a detox? It's not a pretty thing to go through. It's a process of cleansing from the inside out. You have bad breath. You begin to stink. You, you are stinking out the toxins that's inside of you. It's a cleaning out. Your skin can get dry. You can become lethargic. You can have headaches. You can become nauseated. I mean, de detox is not pretty. But the end of the process, when, when you are pure, when your system has been cleaned out, there is a fragrance that comes out from the inside out that is beautiful. There is a pure fragrance that comes, a sweet-smelling fragrance that comes out. It's released from the inside into the world that you're in when you go through that process. That symbolizes purity. And that, for us, symbolizes the death of our own selves. We get saved and we begin to detox from the person that we were. To, to get the toxins out of our system and to begin to let the Holy Spirit come and cleanse us from the inside out. We are cleansed from our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own ways, and we begin to yield and surrender to God. That's our purification process, amen? And so we give up our ways for God's ways. So she was prepared. Esther was prepared. She went through this process to meet her king. Number two is Esther was clothed in royal robes. She was clothed. She, she, when she was going to go before the king, the Bible says that she put on her royal gear, her royal robes. What does that mean for us? What does it look like? Well, let's go back to something that we've talked about already is Ephesians chapter 6. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against authorities, against powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on, someone say put on, the whole armor of God. So that in the day of evil, when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Now, it's interesting in these, these couple verses here, Paul's really trying to make a point. He says the word stand four times. When he's, when, whenever you see something like that, there's got to be a reason. So what, 
is he trying to get across in this place? Well, that phrase, to stand, literally means to sustain your authority. When he says to stand firm, having done all to stand, now stand. He says, I need you to sustain your authority in the battle. How do we do that? How do we do that? By putting on the full armor of God. By putting on, chapter, verse 14, it says, stand firm, having put on the full armor of God. So how do we do that? How do we put on the full armor of God? How do we clothe ourselves in the royal robes? How do we clothe ourselves in the identity of Christ? We have to be convinced of something. First of all, the armor is from God. <clears throat> Anybody try to create your own armor lately? Anybody tried to figure out like how to make it look a little bit better? Like, like let, can this be more feminine? Can we make this more fashionable? Anybody trying to figure out how to do your own armor? What does that look like? Uh, you're trying to fight the battle with your own understanding, your own thoughts. Maybe you fight with your words. Maybe you're a gossip or maybe you're a, you've slandered people with your own words. Maybe you have a sharp tongue or maybe your tongue is a little uncontrolled. It's going to get quiet in here. Maybe you like to control things, and so you're going to control your narrative. You want to make sure that everything's set in place so nothing surprises you. Maybe you're trying to control the narrative and letting God, instead of letting God control the narrative. But see, the armor is found, ladies, in your relationship with God. You can't counterfeit the armor. There is no counterfeit. There is no plan B with God. He says, put on my armor, the armor of God. It's actually made up of, the armor is actually made up of the characteristics of God, of his character. So Esther closed herself in her identity, the royal robes of her position as queen. We, in line, clothe ourselves with God himself. We put and wrap around the character of God. That is our armor, ladies, through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We wrap ourselves in the character of God, which is our weapon. Second Peter chapter 1 says this, I have already given you everything you need, so you have no excuse. Stop complaining. Stop whining. I have given to you everything you need. We're not going to wallow anymore. Amen? Amen. He says, put on which means sink into, be enveloped by, put on the helmet of salvation. That means that we put on and we sink into the finished work of the cross. We understand as believers that we have been delivered, that we have been delivered from the power of sin. So does that mean we never sin? No. But it means that we have been delivered from the power of sin. So Satan can try to cause you to sin. You don't have to falter to it because you've actually been delivered from it. We have to know that. We have to understand that, that I don't have to falter into that addiction. I don't have to falter into that pattern that my parents always faltered into. I don't have to keep doing that. I don't have to keep 
um, operating out of fear because I've been delivered because of the work of the cross. Jesus on the cross, when he died, he, it was like he wrote a check. He paid for our past and he purchased our future. He did the whole thing in one check. He, it is a complete and finished work. The helmet of salvation, we have to sink into that. The breastplate of righteousness, we understand that we are clothed. We are wrapped in his righteousness. You and I as believers are the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean in normal words? It means that Jesus, because of his work on the cross, when God looks down upon us, he sees us through the grid of the blood of Jesus and sees us as perfect. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what you've done. As a believer, the work has been finished. When you stepped into the kingdom of God, when you accepted Jesus as your personal savior into your life, he now sees you as perfect. And our role is to partner with God and to work according to his righteousness. We are clothed in that. Thank you, Jesus. Then he says, put on the belt of, cru of truth. How many know that when you work out, if your core is not strong, then the rest of your body will be weak. The core is the most important part. He says, put on, anybody ever heard that phrase, gird your loins? That's what we have to do with truth. We have to gird up our loins with truth. The, the, the um, armor of God is all for the forward part of our body, if you've noticed. Everything is on the, is on the front of our body except the belt of truth. It surrounds us. We have to be surrounded in truth. Everywhere we look, wherever we go, we have truth as our belt. Then he says, put on the shoes of peace. That is the gospel of peace. We walk in peace, but we also preach peace. The pre we preach the peace of the gospel. It's our message. We have to be ready to tell this world about the gospel. And he says, raise up the shield of faith. That is the belief that you have. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We raise up when the enemy tries to come in and tries to thwart and tries to confuse and tries to get us to believe a lie. We raise up the standard of the shield of faith that says, no, I'm not going to change my belief. I'm not going to change what I believe about God. I believe his promises that they are for me, that they are for us. They are yea and amen to those who believe. And you know what that scripture means? That God says the promises for you and I are yes. And we say amen. We come into agreement with God's promises. So we have to engage in this, ladies. We have to engage in this, the, the, the promises of God. And then, of course, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We wield the word. We don't wield our own words. We, like Jesus did in the wilderness, he spoke the word, and it defeated Satan. The only missing link in all of this is that we don't use it when the enemy attacks. We have to begin to use it. So when we are in a battle, the Bible says to stand firm, to put on God, put on the armor, stand firm in Christ, because this battle is not natural, ladies. It's spiritual. We are in a spiritual battle, and everything we war against is spiritual. So she was prepared and Esther was clothed. 
And the third thing is that she was courageous. We've talked about it before. Joy has no choice but to be courageous from this point on because God has spoken into your life in such a powerful way this weekend. But Esther was courageous to engage. So not only was she prepared, not only did she put her royal robes on and she said, um, yes, I will go. But that didn't happen until she was prayer ready. She was prayer ready. She, when she told Mordecai, you know what, you can't do this. I'm going to die if I go because the president hasn't, or the, the um, king hasn't summoned me. And Mordecai wrote her back and said, listen, if you don't do it, your people are going to die. And she goes, okay, I'm going to do it. And if I die, I die. She goes, call everybody to prayer and fasting. Let's go to prayer. Let's go to the power. Let's go to prayer. She was prayer ready. She was ready to engage. And it reminds me of my mom who um, not only had her lipstick and earrings on, but she was a prayer warrior. I remember her. I wish I had a picture of her. But um, I remember every day of my life. I, in fact, I don't remember a day that this didn't happen, was that I woke up and I walked out to go take a shower and she was sitting in the couch in the living room with her Bible in her hand, praying for us, warring in the spirit, praying for the nation. She worked at the Capitol building in California. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know that's a challenging place. She worked for the legislature, praying and warring and, and praying in the spirit and ministering unto her God and getting the 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 courage that she needed, getting the direction that she she needed for her day, praying for her children. Not a day went by that I don't remember her being there until she could no longer be there because she couldn't function. My mom was prayer ready. How many know prayer is a position that we take in the in a believer's life? She called everyone to prayer and fasting. Prayer is a completely supernatural transaction in our lives, lady, ladies. It takes place in the spirit, it, but it also affects the natural. What we do in the spirit affects the natural. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 talks about us as believers are seated in heavenly places. You know, when you pray, you are not praying down here and trying to get your prayers heard. Our prayers don't hit the ceiling, ladies. That's a lie from the pit. That is a lie from the pit. The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when I'm praying and you're praying, I'm not trying to get God to hear me from way down here. I'm sitting next to God because I'm seated in heavenly places. We have to know our position, ladies. We have to understand our position. We are seated in heavenly places. When we pray, we are actually having a conversation at the table over coffee with God. Think about that when you pray. That helps you understand that God is hearing your prayers. That's why the effectual prayer of a righteous man avails. It works because God hears our prayers. Over the last two years, I have been woken up at night a lot. And I don't know about you, but. I was been very frustrated because I'm a fix-it woman. I like to fix things myself. This is like my own message to me, you know, this whole thing about counterfeit, trying to figure it out, trying to organize. How can I make this happen? How can I fix this whole world like it's all on me to do, you know? 
But I've woken up at night more times than not for two and three hours at a time. So frustrated, so angry, so mad at the devil, so frustrated with our our political crap that's going on. Excuse me if that offends anybody. It's just so frustrated with the direction. I'm like, God, where are you? What are you doing? One night I woke up and I began to worry because that's what you do when you wake up. Because all of life's worries come upon you at 2 o'clock in the morning. Did you know that? If you ever have the option, don't wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Your brain will come alive with all of the things that haven't been done, that need to get done, that your kids aren't doing, that everything. Yeah, everything. So I decided, because I got mad. I got so mad, not at, because I was worried, I was like going, what am I doing? I'm wasting all of this time. You know what? I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start praying. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start taking this time back from the enemy. Because I was giving over to the enemy that time with my worry and with my anger and with my frustration and just falling into all of the natural things that we do. I started praying and I got up out of my bed and I started walking the the bedroom and I went into my, I had a closet that was kind of like a little room at the moment and I began to make it a war room and I began to pray in the spirit. And I I don't know what I was praying for, but I was praying and I was connecting with God. I began to read the word. I began to pray over my children. I began to to replace the worry with prayer, to replace the frustration with the, the promises of God. I began to speak life into my world. You know, sometimes we just go, what's the point? What's, it's just too big. But how many know when you pray in the spirit, you are warring in the spirit. You are warring the very will of God for whatever it is that you're praying for. I may not know what I was praying for, but I was praying for something. And instead of, of uh, I didn't know if it was God that was waking me up at that point or if it was the devil, but I kind of figured instead of, you know, instead of uh, worrying and, and, and complaining and being frustrated, I was just going to punch the devil's lights out with my prayer or else I was going to partner with God in whatever he was leading me to do. Whatever way, I win, Right. And so I just began to pray in the spirit and I just began to pray and pray. Hours would go by and praying and it still happens even now. And I recognized instead of a curse that was upon me that I couldn't get my sleep and I was going to be grumpy the next day, I recognized this was an opportunity that God was choosing me to intercede. I didn't know what I was praying for, but I was praying the will of God. I began to understand that if I will rise up, God will use me but I have to rise up in order for him to use me. Listen, when the Bible says in Jude 20 and 21, there's only one chapter in Jude, so it's Jude 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, but you, beloved, edify yourself, which means to build yourself up in the most holy faith. The the Passion Translation says it like this, but you, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively, Edify or build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. The Bible says, fasten fasten your hearts 
to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life. The Bible says, edify yourself. What is it? the purpose of praying in the spirit. We've heard about it. I don't know if you grew up in a Pentecostal environment or not, a, a spirit-filled church or not. But the purpose of praying in the spirit, the purpose of receiving the baptism or your spiritual your spirit language is for the for yourself. It's to build yourself up, to edify yourself. It's like this. When we build ourselves up, it means that we are literally in our spirit, man. We are building this massive, magnificent building. We are praying in the spirit. We're building these walls that the enemy cannot penetrate. So we, when, we, when the Bible says to stand firm or to, to sustain your authority, I have created in my spirit this magnificent building of the presence of God. It is the throne room of God. That's what our spirit man is because we have soul and we have spirit, right? Are you following me? Hopefully this makes sense to you. Our spirit man is what connects us to God. That's what connects us to God. And he's saying, build yourself up. Build your spirit man up so that wherever you go, whatever you do, you are built up, you are strengthened, and you are strong. It also opens up the windows of heaven over you. Wherever I go, I am working hard to pray every moment in the spirit. Whether I am at the grocery store, I am making myself available to God, to his presence. It's not just for being at the altar. It's not just for church. The spirit is for us to live in, to be a part of. Does that make sense? And so it builds us up. It edifies us. It's also something that the enemy can't understand. Can I get an amen? So when you're praying in your spirit language, come on, somebody, the enemy cannot thwart your prayers because he doesn't know what you're talking about. It's a, it's a language between you and God. So he can't send his demonic powers out to thwart anything that you're praying because he's completely out of the picture. It's a powerful powerful thing that we have to pray in the spirit. If we can have the, the band come up, please. God, in his infinite mercy and love and grace, doesn't do anything himself without our participation. He requires human participation. And we do that by preparing ourselves, by being readied, by being clothed in his righteousness by engaging and walking in courage and being willing to rise up. I want you to stand with me together. Today, I want to ask you a question. Hopefully I haven't gone too over, over time. I want to ask you if you're ready to engage. Are you ready to rise up like Esther? I pray, I pray that you are because God needs his warring women to engage in the battle. And when I say the battle, I'm not talking about us throwing physical punches, but we can throw spiritual punches. And so what I want to do tonight, this morning, whatever time it is, what day is it? It's Saturday. It's the great day. 
Um, if you would be so kind as I want everybody to come down here because we're we're gonna we're gonna do some declarations this morning and some prayer. So if you could, I figured if you can get up there, you can come down, right? Let's all come to the altar. Because like I said, this isn't just a flu a, a fluffy weekend that we're here for. We're here to change. We're here to engage. We're here to um, start something that maybe we haven't done for a while with God. Amen. So let's all get down. Come on. Come on down to the to the main floor here. Come on, just begin to worship. Can you just begin to play a little bit? And... Holy Spirit, we just honor your presence here this morning. We thank you. Come on, come on down. Don't be afraid to get close. I'm not scary, promise. But but God wants more from us, for us. God want more, wants more for us. And how many know that, that we can never exhaust all that God has for us? And every time I reach a level in God, I see that there's more, and it keeps me wanting to move forward like Susan talked about. And today I, I want to just for us together to declare something first. So I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to repeat after me. And I want you to, if you feel comfortable, or even if you don't, please raise your hands because it's a sign of surrender. And we are rising up as Esther's today. We are saying we are willing to engage in this fight. We are willing to take part in the army because how many know there is a battle, but the Bible also says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How many want to be a part of the pouring out of his spirit on all flesh? Amen. So let's, let's pray this. I want you to repeat after me. I am ready to engage. I repent for hiding, God. I don't want to turn and run. I am ready to stand firm. I have received the finished work of salvation. I am clothed in the righteousness of God. I am surrendered with truth, surrounded with truth. Peace is inside of me. By the power of Jesus' work on the cross, I believe in faith in your promises. And I want to partner with you today, God. I will fight with your word. I am ready. I will go forth with courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So so now let's just begin to worship right now. And if you know, if you have your prayer language, just begin to pray in, in the spirit right now. Just begin to pray. We want to build this, this uh, work of, of faith in, in everybody today. If you don't have a prayer language, um, I just want to explain something to you. Continue to pray in the spirit if you have your prayer language. That God wants you to be, have every single weapon that has been afforded to you by the word of God. and. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, the Bible talks about that a great wind came to the upper room. If you've ever read chapter 2 of Acts, a great wind came. And it represents the Ruach breath of God or the power, life-giving breath of God. And then the Bible says that, that they saw tongues of fire 
How many know the tongue is the most controlled thing that we have in our body? And so I think the, the thing that makes it so hard for people to receive that baptism, which is a gift that God wants you to have, is that we are too in control of our tongue. And so they receive the, the wind of the Spirit and then the, the tongues of fire that uh, God wanted to release the control over. He wants to take control of your tongue in a sense. The Bible also says that as a believer, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. That's what it feels like when you pray in the Spirit. It's like something that's bubbling inside of you that comes up out of your mouth. And so today what I want to do is if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to lay hands on you. We don't have to knock you down. We don't have to do any of that. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. But he does want you to have this free gift. He want, It's a tool. It's a, it's a weapon that God wants us to be able to fight with. Can you imagine if every one of us were praying in the spirit, the battles that could be won in this spirit realm because the devil does not know what we're talking about. But we are talking directly to God. We may not know, but we trust God that he is partnering with us in this. So what I want you to do is just close your eyes because this is between you and God. This isn't about anybody else. Just close your eyes. And if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what we're going to do is we're going to breathe in, representing that Ruach breath, that life-giving breath of God. And then when we breathe out, what you're going to do is you're just going to let your tongue relax. And you're just going to, you breathe in. That's what, that's, it's that simple, ladies. It's that simple. And you will begin to see out of your belly will begin to flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. So just, everybody just breathe in right now. Breathe in because the Spirit of God is so present right now. I want you to be, just breathe in and just release. Release it out. Let your tongue just move. Don't worry about what you're saying because it's not going to make sense to you. Nobody's going to laugh at you. You don't have to feel like it's weird. God is in control right now. So just open your mouths, begin to worship the Lord. I want you to breathe in and I want you to just release it and receive the, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and let your wind just blow through this place. As we open our mouths and let you be in control, let you control our mouth, let you control our tongue. Tongues of fire, I pray, will rest upon each and every one of us. Come on, ladies, I want to hear you. Come on. If you want to be baptized in the whole, if you want to receive that free gift, open your mouth and just let your tongue begin to speak. Just let your tongue begin to speak. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, 
the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review, and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you right back here, same place, same time, next week.